Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Worlds Apart. everybody, and welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It is the only podcast on the internet where we talk about every single Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order. Uh, I'm J.B. Clark. I'm alive. I'm still here. We're back. Uh, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend Rob, who I've spent a really long time Skyping with before this episode because it's been a long time since we've talked. Rob, how are you doing today? We're back, J.B. We're back. We're back. That was also a really long intro. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to stop. <laughs> I had a feeling before we even started the call, I had a feeling like we're going to spend some time just talking about the summer and the movies that we saw. And we absolutely did yeah. do that. So I'm glad we, we finally hit record. a lot about movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we hit record. We're talking actually about, <laughs> about the thing that we're here to talk about, which is the song World's, World's Apart, Apart by Bruce Springsteen. By also, Bruce Springsteen. just by the way, first of all, a couple of things. First of all, to everybody who has patiently waited and has been uh, very, very kind over the last month as we've uh, been on hiatus. Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for uh, being just amazing, wonderful, gracious listeners. And we are so excited to be back to do what we, we, we have 12 episodes left before we hit zero and blind <laughs> What a weird, this is, the, this is the intermission in Monty Python's Search for the Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that's right. It's the intermission, but we actually, we're like, we're just rolling almost all the way down the hill. So we have 12 episodes left before this initial alphabetical journey from 30 days out to uh, Zero and Blind Terry reaches its conclusion. So uh, thanks so much for for your patience with us as we went on hiatus and we're coming back. And so we're going to try and go out strong with these last 12. So there's that. And um, yeah, I guess that was it. We have 12 episodes to go. And thanks for your patience. That was all I had to to say. Um, (laughs) JB has a just has to re- kid. reiterate. Yeah, we're we're very excited about JB's uh, new addition. So yes, congrats, JB. She's she's uh she's growing. She's not doing any cool tricks yet, but she's cute as a button. So that's all you got. That's that's all you ask. You know, at this yeah. at this point, it's all you can really expect. Hey, man, let's talk about Worlds Apart. Let's do it. Okay, so the song Worlds Apart is from the 2002 album The Rising. I don't have it in my notes. I think this is. This has to be the last rising song, right? I didn't look at the full list, but I don't have it in my notes that this is the last one. It is not. There's another one? What am yeah. I forgetting? What am I missing? Oh, no, I, I remember now. Never mind. Okay, so forget all that. So anyway, this is the song's from The Rising. It's not the final rising song, amazingly, but uh, this song is from the 2002 album, The Rising. The last performance, the last live performance of the song was in East Rutherford, New Jersey, on August the 28th, 2003, which is on the Rising Tour. So he hasn't actually done the song live since the Rising Tour. And he did, however, play the song a lot on that tour, but never again after that. And I, I mean, I, I can understand why, and we'll get to it like when we talk about the music portion of it, but it's got some world music influences that I would imagine make it difficult to just like authentically and naturally just like call the E Street Band into, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Without it feeling appropriative and strange. For sure. Yeah, but that, I mean, really, that's that's all I've got in terms of the basic facts before we get into uh, the the musical structure of the song. Is there anything I'm missing here? That's nope. You got more than I did. Live history. All right. Well, uh, the music here definitely fits into the category of world music created by American white people, following in the tradition of Paul Simon and um, other white people who I can't really think of right off the top of my head. I mean, I think, Billy I think Joel. it could be worse. Than the way you described it just now. I think there are more egregious songs. Well, yeah. 
seems like culturally significant. Well, to and, blend these styles of music, you know, for sure. Well, and I mean, he Bruce Bruce knows that there are ways to be problematic with this, and he he seems to be trying not to go that route. Um, the the guest musicians on this track are Pakistani singer Asif Ali Khan and his band, who mm-hmm. uh, normally record. I'm gonna. I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Kawaii Kawali uh, music. Which yeah, Kawali. Is, it's a Sufi Islamic devotional music. Ah, uh, I see. I see. You and I looked at the same sources, so that's good. The same sources. Yeah. So, so he he does not like just go and create these sounds on his own. He like finds well known, reputable singers and, and musicians who who can replicate these sounds and really kind of blend into what he's trying to do. You know, and so um, their parts, the 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 Kuali sounds part, the Asif Ali Khan, their parts were recorded in Los Angeles and were produced by Chuck Plotkin, who had previously produced Tunnel of Love, Human Touch, Lucky Town, and Ghost of Tom Joad. Basically, all of the albums Bruce recorded in L.A. And so, but that's where Asif Ali Khan was. So they they produced all of their stuff in L.A. while Bruce was in um, Atlanta with Brennan O'Brien yeah. recording the rest of the album. So that's so it's this weird like dual like bi coastal recording process that like kind of blends the whole thing together. And also, yeah. I don't know if you saw this part. Uh, Brennan O'Brien later admitted that he didn't really know where Bruce was trying to go with this song, but, um, but he was committed to make it. Brennan was like, I'll, I'll, I will do what I can to make this song sound as good as possible. And, and he says by the, that by the end of the recording sessions, he was really impressed with the finished product, but even Brennan O'Brien was like, this feels weird to me. So they, uh, <laughs> They they made it work according to to O'Brien. I will say the song takes a very Brennan O'Brien turn at like the two minute mark. <laughs> what what does that mean? What is a Brennan O'Brien turn? Just like there, it's it's you know got the very world music, some like hand percussion. Bruce is singing with these you know sort of like Indian Pakistani harmonies behind him, and then just right at the right before the two minute mark, it's just like bass drum, floor tom, snare, guitars. And just it just very much became you know what I'm saying like it just you can you can tell the part that Bruno Brown came in on yeah well and it's it's very tightly there's a lot of moving parts in this I mean not not to yes. mention like all the stuff that Plotkin records in in L A with Asif Ali Khan and and that Brendan O'Brien was able to take all of these pieces and like mix them together in a way that really does sound pretty good um, is that just tells you like what a good producer he is right you, it's certainly sonically pleasing. It is. Well, and, and something that I don't think we talk enough about, really, when we talk about The Rising, because The Rising is interesting for several reasons, and it's, I mean, you know, it's the, the, the reuniting of the E Street Band for the first time since Born in the USA, I mean, like, truly. And and so, like, that becomes sort of the noteworthy thing. But another thing that makes this album really interesting is that Bruce is being pretty experimental when it comes to instrumentation and mixing. And, I mean, really, not until Western Stars will you hear, like, this much experimentation, you know, and, and and it's interesting because I, I feel like the the Eastry band stuff sort of um, eclipses the the instrumentation choices when we talk like when people are talking about what makes this album interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And th- this song is definitely one of those songs that it's like wow he's doing a lot of things. He, he's he's really swinging for the fences here. Yeah. Well, in the way the harmonica sort of takes on like the kind of longing lilt of the harmonica takes on sort of that same. Uh, quality and like the nature of the um, the uh, what's his name Asif Asif the Ali band? Khan Asif Ali Khan like the, takes over his band's sort of singing you know what I'm saying uh huh like they kind of fade in and out of each other 
because the singing comes back at the end after the harmonica sort of dies down. The there's also like a really longing nature to the guitar. Um, I was just about to bring guitar up the guitar. So- yes, go ahead. Yeah, the guitar solo at the four and a half minute mark adds a lot of tension because it's, it's less of a solo and more of him like really holding and sort of just kind of bending one note uh, for a while, you know. And then another, you know, there's just a few like really big held bent notes um, that have like a great deal of lament and um, just holding that one fret. And I think that that isn't like I don't feel that just because I know I, like I play guitar and I know he's just like holding one note sort of. And like really hard, yeah. like hold. Uh, I think it comes through like uh, like audibly. Like even if you don't know anything about a guitar, you can kind of think like, oh yeah, he's just kind of holding on to the same thing for a while here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it's that cool. And, and the guitar is like ripping. It, it's 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 very strong. And it, it like everything. I I don't Super know. Super out. Yeah, and I don't know enough about like like music to be able to say, but this feels like it's done in like this really like sinister minor key almost. And am, am I am I hearing that correctly? Or it, like, uh, especially like the guitar, like a sinister minor key. But I would say the um, the interval between the he's playing like two notes really mm-hmm. for the, the the longest part of it, and that interval he's playing is has a lot of tension in it. Okay, well, yeah, and that's and and we'll get more into that when we get into the theme. But like tension is really kind of like if, if you could find like one defining word about the song, like tension is it, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's it it is like a minor feeling. What's the word I was just using? <laughs> Step, uh, interval between the notes. Uh-huh. Um, you, you said is minor key. Like yes, that's that's the same idea. Uh, I, and it may be in a minor key. I don't know key. <laughs> but what you're hearing is that is that interval, that tense interval. Yeah. Well, do you want to? Should yeah. we get into the lyrics? Is there? I mean, I, I I feel like there's a lot going on here with the music, but I I don't know enough about it to really speak to it. Is there is there anything that we're hearing that we need to make note of? I mean, outside of the sort of the the vocal melodies going into the harmonica to the guitar solo to the harmonica to the vocal melodies uh is lots of lots of like hand percussion it definitely starts off really low and feels um very like of a place like of um does it kind of feel like the morning like a like a cool morning in uh in like india south asia pakistan in the beginning you know yeah yeah sort of just like you kind of feel like we uh fade to white well, that's, uh, well, in, a, in a market in Hyderabad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, that's, that's a thing that's true to Bruce's music as well, right? Like he, he's very interested in making things feel cinematic, which, and I mentioned Western stars, right. like that's his whole vision for Western stars is to create something that sounds like big and cinematic and like, like old Hollywood almost. And, and, uh, and I think he's doing that here. Like, like you said, like you can imagine this song being played over the opening credits of, of a movie that is set in, south asia somewhere you know like that's yeah um which and i mean part of that is because of asif ali khan like he's you know a pakistani musician and so he's bringing his own sensibility into that and so we're hearing we're hearing his influence just as much as we're hearing bruce's songwriting all right i'm interested in like did he send them the lila lies or did he just hear something they did and said like this is the key you know like how did they how did they do that that's a really good question Uh, how did it yeah i don't know what that collaboration looked like yeah, but I'm I'm very interested in it. If they ever put out like a documentary, like they did, like there's a Born to Run documentary called Wings for Wheels. There's the Dark- Darkness documentary, The Promise, and like if they ever like j- just about like the entire making of the record. If they ever do a like <laughs> the Rising style documentary like that, I this this section will be really interesting to find out. Like how did how did they find 
this group of musicians and how did they decide how to collaborate? Well, like what, what were all the stages of that collaboration like? Cause this feels very involved. There's a lot going on here. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Well then, uh, you want to do lyrics? Let's do lyrics. All right, man, you're up. I hold you in my arms. Yeah. That's when it starts. I seek your faith. I seek faith in your and comfort in your heart. Taste the seed upon your lips. Lay my tongue upon your scars. When I look into your eyes, here we stand worlds apart. Okay, so this sounds almost like like sensual and seductive. You know the the idea yeah. of I seek faith in your kiss and comfort in your heart. T- taste the seed upon your lips. So so there there's an intim- So basically he's he's painting a picture of intimacy. But then the fame like one of the things that Bruce is great at is setting a scene and then disrupting the scene with the final line of a song or with the final line of the, the yeah. stanza. So he he creates in the first three lines there's this image of intimacy and connection and almost like entanglement but then but then he he kind of like rec- record scratches it by saying but when i look into your eyes we stand worlds apart so there are all these things that make us close and connected but in reality there is a distance between us right yeah absolutely which, which i mean that could be i mean i realize like this this could be said of a lot of different things that bruce has written but at, at face value if you wanted this to be this you could this could be about like two intimate partners you know who like you've been together for a little while and you're kind of going through the motions and and you're doing all the things that feel and look a lot like intimacy but in reality you know that the intimacy has left it's it's the intimacy is not as strong as as it may appear to be yeah you know so anyway that's that's just the first verse so go ahead where the distant oceans sing and rise to my uh sorry excuse me my uh typos here where the distant oceans Oceans sing and rise to the plain. In this dry and troubled country, your beauty remains. Down from the mountain roads where the highway rolls to dark, neath Allah's blessed rain, we remain worlds apart. Okay, so this is now. Now we're sort of like zooming out, and we're and we're kind of seeing like the, the broader picture of what the song is actually trying to be. So, so in the dry and troubled country, your beauty remains. Uh, the mountain road where the highway rolls to dark, and then neath Allah's blessed rain. So. Now we're no longer just like dealing with two intimate partners. Now we're dealing with sort of a space. Like we're we're, we're in another yeah. place. And and this this phrase "neath Allah's blessed rain," um, Allah, as I think mo- most most of the world knows, that Allah is the is um, the Aramaic word Aramaic no uh, Arabic excuse me Allah is the Arabic word that means God. And so right. um, if you are uh, if you are Islamic, then when you worship God, you call God by the name that is written in the Quran, which is Allah, because the Quran is written in Arabic. So a lot of times you will hear people in the West who don't know any better talk about like the difference between like, I've, I've literally heard, I can't tell you the number of times I've heard someone say something like, well, you know, Christians worship God, but Muslims worship Allah. Allah right. literally means God. <laughs> it's it's just a different language. Where, like a Christian who speaks Arabic will also call, call God Allah. So, th- so it's right. less... So this word is is less about what a person's religion is, and it's more about what a person, like what language a person speaks. That said, Allah is oft, is most often associated with Islam, which is important because this album comes out less than a year after September 11th. And there's a lot of Islamophobia just sort of floating through the air in the United States, and The Rising is Bruce's direct response to the 9-11 attacks. And it's interesting that Bruce yeah, includes this. Is this a... Oh, what? Go ahead. 
No, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just... It's um, interesting that Bruce includes this. Yeah, it's interesting that Bruce chooses to include this because in addition to like being like the guy, the, the most American possible artist to like address the pain of 9-11, Bruce takes a minute and he... Um, and he does this thing where he attempts to humanize the people who so many Americans have decided are um, have are, need to be dehumanized, I guess, as a, um, in a manner of speaking. And so, so that that Bruce puts this song in in the eyes of someone who is clearly not an American and very probably someone who is Muslim. That is kind of profound and pretty brave, considering what this album was going to be. You know. Right, this is like a harsh contrast to a lot of public sentiment at the time. Very much. Ted Nugent would not have written the song. Right. Um, to say the least. I mean, we can go. That means a lot of things. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, though I will say I remember as a kid a lot of like positive Muslim pop culture sentiment, especially compared to like the world I feel like I live in now. Oh, that's interesting, because it took a little while, I think, for for it to come back around to pause it. Like what I remember is like the, t- the show 24 and like every year for like the first three years of that show, it was like at, at the top of the ladder, there's a, there's a very angry, um, not white person who probably speaks Arabic. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah, for sure. That's uh, what 24 is about. <laughs> for sure. Well, and, and then there, there was always like, there were several movies that sort of came out around that time. And it, I mean, I've heard, I've heard like Asif Manvi and other, um, like, uh, people who are from the Middle East talk about like what it was like to like go on auditions if you were an actor, uh, and it was like you you can play a cab driver or you can play a terrorist. Like those are the two those are the two right. roles we're hiring for right now. Every once in a while you can be a doctor, but mostly it's going to be cab driver or terrorist. Anyway, so that's the that's the second verse. I'm I'm just not realizing like there aren't the words of the there's not a lot of verses in the song, not a lot of words. No, we're about to start getting repetitive. Yeah. All right, so sometimes the truth just ain't enough, or it's too much in times like this. Let's throw away the truth. We'll find it in this kiss, in your skin upon my skin, in the bre- in the beating of our hearts. May the living let us in before the dead tears us apart. That's a great line. May the living let us in before the dead tear us apart. That's a, Yeah, that's a super like sweet, but also sort of kind of scary sentiment. That is, I think that is one of the most single, most well-written lines in this entire album that is a may, may the living let us in before the dead tear us apart that uh i i love that I, w- I would get a tattoo that says that that's good do it man you should get a tattoo i'm afraid of needles do up for another one i kind of am too you just don't look at it anyway all right uh so last verse we'll let blood build a bridge over mountains draped in stars uh i'll meet you on the bridge between these worlds apart on the ridge on the ridge between these worlds apart We've got this moment now to live. Then it's all just dust and dark. Let love give us what it gives, and let let's let love gives give what it gives. Let's love, let let love, love give what it gives. Let's let love give what it gives. Yeah, man, that's good. According to Brian Hyatt in his book about Bruce Springsteen, uh, Bruce was in the middle of of the writing sessions for the Rising for this album when he realized that all of his songs were set in the United States. And I, I don't know if he means all of his songs on this album or all, all of his songs, period, or, or what. But, like, basically, like, all the songs... It's true. Up, up it's to true this, both ways. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so, like, there was this realization that, like, th- this this album is much bigger than the United States, even though it's it's responding to a very specific thing that happened inside the United States. 
Um, but he felt like he was writing about a specific event with worldwide consequences. And of course, we're talking about the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001. Also, Bruce had seen a news broadcast that showed Afghan women unveiling after, they had, after the fall of the Taliban in Afghanistan. And the, the assumption, of course, being that the women who had previously been veiled by force, uh, not by choice, which is, uh, I think we should say, not the experience of all Muslim women, just by the way. Like many, many, like millions of Muslim women all over the world are veiled by choice. And that's great. That's, you know, and so Bruce is talking about like when the Taliban fell, there were lots of women who had been forced to, to wear veils. And that was the first time that they were able to choose to not be veiled. And Bruce had been watching that and he commented that he was struck by how beautiful the faces of the Afghan women were. And this gave him a sense of connection with people who had otherwise felt foreign and un- unknown to him. And of course, like we could have a whole conversation about like, I mean, you should have known, like you don't necessarily need to see that, oh, there are beautiful women in other countries and that's how I know that they're human kind of thing. But that's, I mean, I'm, we're describing Bruce's sort of like realization of, oh, there's a perspective here that I've not yet explored, you know, is, is sort right. of. Uh, what what it's getting to so like that kind of led him to a, a place where he he was like oh there there are points of view on this story like this it feels like an american story because we're americans and it happened to us but there's a much bigger thing going on in the world that this this was sort of like th- this was a giant global earthquake that 9-11 was yeah and so well and this has been happening to some people for a long time too yes yeah that we were not the first victims of this kind of violence right yeah and um, and so this kind of fits in the same category of the song Skin to Skin, which is an attempt to humanize and mis- the, the, the quote-unquote misunderstood other. And right. because it wasn't enough for Bruce to simply name the trauma of 9-11 and to speak to the tension between hope and grief, he also seems to feel the need to uh, hold the humanity of people from other countries and, and who hold different I- ideologies than we do, which I really appreciate that he did that. I, I, I think that is a... Like I said, I think it's brave and it's bold, and it really speaks to like the heart of who Bruce is. It's not just enough to like tell an American story. Bruce is trying to tell a human story, and and he's trying. Yeah. I, I think part of it also is he's probably trying at some level to curb the inevitability of American Islamophobia, and I don't know if it worked, but it it was it was a noble gesture, I think, nevertheless. So that that yeah. to me is the significance of this song, which I mean that's that's why the line like "May the living let us in before the dead tear us apart," because. Like th- this, this idea that violence begets violence, and that we can we can blame we can blame other people for the violence of other uh, of people who didn't. You know what I mean? Like like we can we can so, someone can commit violence, but the person who committed violence against us was dead. So now we have to go find somebody else to find revenge on because like all the people who really need vengeance, all the people we could exact vengeance on are dead. And so we're just going to go start dropping bombs wherever we want. And so, which is funny, like that became sort of prophetic. Like this is before, this is a year before we start dropping bombs in Iraq. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. which I mean, as, as we've talked about before was the thing that really, really upset Bruce. Like not, not only did the magic album come out of that anger, but also the song, Hey Blue Eyes, which is one of the darkest songs I've ever heard in my entire life. And all of that came out of sort of Bruce's anger and frustration about how we, treated people in Iraq. And I think this song is almost like, if you go back and look at like all of Bruce's music as like in in a time machine, it's like Bruce's Mm -hmm. like, this is, this is Bruce's attempt to reach into the future and say, please don't do this. And we did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in regards to like how we treated the citizens of Iraq and, um, and everything anyway. Oh, that's probably way more than I even needed to say there, but no, man. Um, that's what this is about. (laughs) Yeah. 
That's the exact right amount of stuff to say there. Also, I want to say on a much lighter note, the line, we'll let blood build a bridge over mountains draped in stars, is just a dope line. <laughs> it is. And any other artist, I'd be like, man, that's a billion metaphors in one line. But at the same time, when it's Bruce, I'm like, yeah, man, let blood build that bridge, you know? Yeah, I just like, <laughs> I feel like the double rainbow guy when I hear that line. Yeah. I'm like, double rainbow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just sort of like a really far out, beautiful, you know, like love connection, sweet spirit filled line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very into it. Yeah, man. It's, a, I mean, really this song, lyrically, this song is really, really well written. And I, and it's funny cause this is not like when I start, when I start thinking about the rising, this is not one of the songs that I think about. This is not top of mind to me when I think about this album. And I mean, clearly yeah. this is not a song that has had a lot of like endurance because like I said, he hasn't done it since this tour. But at the same time, I think like this, first of all, it seems like one of the, I think this seems like one of the songs he worked the hardest on, on this album. Like, yeah, he seems, he seems to have really poured a lot of himself into it. Like just like all the way from the mixing to like bringing in other musicians and the, like all the lyrics seem like so precise and so well-written. And, um, and, and so it is interesting. Like, and, and I think it's, I think Bruce probably at the time would have said this is probably one of the most important songs on the record because what it does is it does broaden the perspective. It, it makes the world much bigger than just, um, you know, New York City and Washington, D.C. Yeah. This is that song in the album that, like, means more to the artist than the fan. Well, yeah, I don't think about it. It doesn't, like, stick with me. And I was thinking, well, maybe it's because it's not sort of important, as important as some of the other ones. It's super important. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe it's, like, not quite as politically on the nose lyrically it might be part of it. And I think that, um, you know, it's more like metaphorical lyrically and not just like political, like through a megaphone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, not called, it's, it's a like, great song. Th- yeah, this is not like We Take Care of Our Own, where he just like straight up like looks directly at whoever's listening and say, uh, please, yes, please hear what I'm saying right now. Like he, he is he is still being pretty um, poetic, you know, and, and not quite so on the nose as, as he will feel like mm-hmm. he needs to be later. But it's a very impressive song, like lyrically and cinematically, and like the production, uh, the performances. It's a really great song. I agree. I and I, I like it more. Like the more time I spend with it, the more I like it. it. This for the longest time, this was one of the songs on this record that I was like, okay, whatever. Like he's just he's doing his Paul Simon thing. And but then like later, like the more the more time I spend with it. And the more I listen to it, the more I appreciate what he's doing. It, I mean, it, it's not necessarily my favorite song on the record by a long shot, but at the same time, I I have to tip my hat to the artistry and and the the amount of care and thought he put into it. Yeah, man. So, how many bridges built with blood would you give this song? I give a four on this song. Same. I'm also a four. Yeah. Yeah. It, like I feel like when he, you know, it should almost be a five star song. There's nothing wrong with it at all. It's a really really great song, but. It doesn't stick with me a ton, but it's way better than a three-star song. So absolutely, it is, and uh, I guess that's where I'm at. <laughs> and the thing is, I mean, it, like two weeks ago, I might have been a three, but like the more time I spent, like these these lyrics demand attention, like like seriously, like these, these this is just such a well-written song, and so um, so I'm I, I elevated to a four pretty recently here, but um, yeah, it's good. Cool. Yeah, wow, man. I'm glad we're on the same page with that. I, I was too. worried about that. I think we're going to be on the same page a lot in, in these next 12 episodes. Yeah, we got some pretty straightforward songs coming up. Yeah. Well, um, thanks everybody for listening. And thanks, JB, for getting back in the saddle and, you know, joining, you know, be, 
being up for i mean i realize like we we've been doing this thing for three and a half years but like you know what they say the last 12 episodes are the hardest so um, <laughs> that's what they say <laughs> yeah if you've been doing an alphabetical podcast for three and a half years it's those last 12 episodes that'll kill you that'll kill you so um so <laughs> this really is the intermission in the holy search for the holy grail just like the 10 minute intermission two minutes before the end of the movie i never really thought about that as like one of the jokes of the holy grail that they put the intermission like oh, right no, before that's the, the end of the movie. biggest joke in the whole movie it's so funny it's like the climactic scene that's super funny oh my gosh so yeah that's that's pretty much what we did so um yeah so this was worlds apart and we'll be back in your feed later this week because we're not done we got 11 this was like we had 12 and then we did this episode so now we have 11 to go and the next one we're going to do is wreck on the highway so everybody you know buckle your seat belts and drive safe drive safe yeah we, we will see you next time we're thinking about the wreck on the highway